Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word, for the gift of your revelation to us of who you are and who we are that we find in scripture. We pray today by your Holy Spirit that it might be the word of life to those who hear and believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are in this season called Advent, the very beginning of the church year. And where the tendency and temptation for all of us as December has now come in this year of 2021 is to rush forward to the bright and cheery celebration of Christmas, Advent calls on us to consciously slow down, to wait, to be quiet, to take our time in the darkness, to look around us and consider that this is a world in need of a savior. Advent calls on us to acknowledge that we live in a world of darkness where things are not as they should be too often. It calls on us as well to acknowledge that we experience the darkness, but we also participate in it with our lives. A world where our bodies are frail and our souls too often feel empty. Where the planet decays and injustice seems to reign, Advent asks us to ponder the darkness before it is the measure of the light of Christ. As we come today, it's a stark contrast and a strange contrast between the darkness of Advent and the bright and cheer of Christmas. The Anglican priest, Tish Harrison Warren, wrote an op-ed piece to try to translate for the unchurched what Advent is and what it means. She wrote, to practice Advent is to lean into an almost cosmic ache. Our deep, wordless desire for things to be made right and the incompleteness we find in the meantime. We dwell in a world still racked by conflict, violence, suffering, and darkness. Advent holds space for our grief, and it reminds us that all of us in one way or another are not only wounded by the evil in the world, but we are also wielders of it, contributing our own moments of unkindness, impatience, or selfishness. Ouch. The evil and suffering of this world is not merely something that happens to us, but it is something that we take part in as well because of our lostness and our brokenness. In Advent, we take time to reflect on all of these things to remind us that we have a need, not just for a helper, but for a savior, one who will set us free. One of the marks of this season in the church year is that we tend to read more from the prophets of the Old Testament. Why is that? Why in Advent do we read more out of Isaiah and Zechariah and some of those other prophets in the Old Testament? And I think it's primarily because we share so much with the Jews of that time. They were displaced and downtrodden. They, there was famine and disease and war and oppression. All was not well in their world. They were waiting for the, through the darkness for the light of the Messiah to come to set them free. And in much the same way, we likewise are waiting and calling on the Messiah who will save us and redeem his creation from its brokenness and from its lostness. 
We look for the one who will stop the wars and cure this plague that has enveloped our world. True enough, we have a different vantage point because we do look back and see that Jesus did come in the manger, but we also are still looking forward to his second coming when he comes in power as the king of all creation in the cosmos. But often it seems pretty far away. This morning's text gives some of those images of scripture that are indicative of the peace of God, of the kingdom of God that we find. The wolf, it says, will live with the lamb. And the, lion, the leopard will lie, with the, lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a child shall lead them. The cow and the bear will graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the viper, and the weaned child shall put its hand in the adder's den, but they will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. Wolves and lambs don't go together peacefully. Lions don't graze on grass. Leopards and kids do not inhabit the same space peacefully. And yet these are the visions that God gives of what his kingdom will be like. They're, they're so outrageous that they're hard to believe, but they shock our senses. In our day and time, it would have to be something equally as outrageous. Like Democrats shall have dinner with Republicans. Can you imagine it? It seems so far off in a world that is marked by violence and division and isolation, it seems so far off. But this is the measure of the kingdom of God. If peace is a primary marker of what the kingdom of God is like and what the spirit of God gives, it is something for which we seek to receive God's gift. We're not there yet. We're walking through days of darkness where peace seems like a fantasy for the delusional sometimes. In our families, we're experiencing record levels of conflict, violence, and separation. COVID has only served to accelerate that trend in our society. In our nation, we're engaged in a collective vitriolic blinding rage of politics. Those with whom we disagree are either losers or stupid bigots or fascists, we can't decide which is the harshest word that we can possibly use to vilify another. In our world today, physical violence is something with which we contend. The United Nations estimates that there are almost 40 declared wars going on around the globe today. Some are more high profile than others, but thousands of lives are being cost. Even this week, we saw yet another school shooting where children were needlessly cut down by gun violence in their schools that could have been prevented. Here in Mecklenburg County, we received the email this week from the school officials saying that they will be taking steps to limit what we have here as a problem of violence and weapons in school. 
It's not supposed to be that way. We're not supposed to live with that kind of anxiety in our lives or the need to prepare for such things. Where's the light of peace? Are we living delusionally? Or are we just those people like the prophet Jeremiah talked about who say, peace, peace, when there is no peace? Have we just gone into denial? If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, and even in the midst of so much that is decidedly unpeaceful, we have to unlock what that means. We have to receive that light that he is giving us toward peace. When the Bible talks about, in the Old Testament particularly, the Hebrew word shalom for peace, it's the Hebrew greeting for one another, but it means far more than just, hey, what's up, how you doing? Shalom carries with it the connotation of a wholeness and a health that is not just about the absence of conflict, but it, it goes on to the health of our bodies, the health of our minds and of our souls and our relationships as well. Shalom carries that connotation of wholeness, of that unitedness in our being. But we see, feel so fragmented. For many of us, even if we aren't involved in overt fights or conflicts or arguments, there's an underlying anxiety that seems to be eating away at us. A pervasive sense of uneasiness and tension that we just can't shake. And it gets at us no matter how much we have or how much we do in this life that we thought would make us okay. Will I miss out on something? Will I have enough to make it? What if something happens to one of my kids? Where are my kids? These questions that pervade our consciousness and our subconscious, I believe, are growing the sense of anxiety within us individually and together. And it's not just a psychological quirk that is endemic to our time and our place. But I think today there is an accelerator of this trend as well. When every large and small event alike around the world can be immediately recorded and cast onto the web with our phones or by the news cycle, it does increase our sense of vulnerability that anything and everything could happen to me at any moment and it would be catastrophic. No wonder we're anxious. What shall we do? Where is this light in the midst of the darkness? If we are looking for the light of Christ's peace in the darkness of our own anxiety and in the disunity dis, dis of our world, what would it look like? Frederick Buechner writes in his wonderful little book, Wishful Thinking, he observes that Jesus himself seemed to use peace in different ways. For in one place, he said to his disciples, do not think that I have come to bring, bring peace, but I have come to bring a sword. And then in John chapter 14, he says, I give you my peace, my peace, I leave with you. But he concludes this, the contradiction is resolved for when you realize that for Jesus, peace seems to have meant not the absence of struggle, but the presence of love. 
Peace is not the absence of struggle, it is the presence of love. In our first reading this morning from the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going away. And he says, you know what else? You guys are about to abandon me. You're about to be scattered and thrown to the four corners of your world. And you're going to leave me alone to bear this cross. Doesn't sound like a peaceful description. But he goes on to say, but I will not be alone because my father will be with me. I will not be alone, Jesus says, because my father will be with me. The father who loves and is faithful and will never abandon his children in their darkest hour. He is the one whose presence will sustain me and give me peace in the midst of insanity. When Jesus says to his disciples, my peace, I leave with you. He's not telling them that their struggle is over. He is not denying that the trials and the suffering and the pain of this world are incredibly real. Indeed, he is the one who promised to his disciples that if they follow him, they will have trouble in this world. They will have trials in this world. What Jesus is saying is that when they undergo the trials and the struggles, they will have the same peace that he has. That is the presence of a father who will never leave them. Though all else would abandon them, he says, my peace I give unto you. I think John Ortberg captured it well when he said, peace does not lie in God, getting God to give me other circumstances. Peace lies in finding God in these circumstances in which I find myself. That's the peace of Jesus, the peace of the one who walked this earth healing and loving and embracing and teaching even as people were openly plotting how to discredit and even to murder him. That is the peace that even as Jesus was being beaten and tortured and eventually hung to die on a cross, he was able to endure the fear and the anxiety and the hatred of those around him. And he was able to resist the same from his own spirit as well because of the presence of a father who would not abandon him. You see, the peace of God that Jesus gives to his followers is not pie-in-the-sky escapism. It's not a denial of reality. It's not a promise of rainbows and unicorns and bright sunshine all day, every day. It is rather a promise that in the darkness of this world, we will never be lost or alone because of the presence of God and the light that he gives. It's a promise. No matter our circumstances, we can walk in the peace of the Lord, knowing that God is in control and that he will not abandon us. God will gain victory over the circumstances that bring us trouble. And this is the place of faith. To believe that there is something deeper going on in this world and in my life than what I see and what I hear and what I taste and what I smell and what I touch. 
Hear the words today that we read from Isaiah when he talks about the judge who is, uh, who is filled with the spirit of God. He says he will not judge by what his eyes see or by what his ears hear. There's something deeper going on that God desires for us to know. To receive the Lord's peace, we have to live in the reality that there's something going on beyond what our eyes can see and what our ears can hear. Indeed, that God is up to something supernatural in this world and in our lives that we can't identify by mere senses in this life. That God is up to something working all things for our good. That God is up to something bringing all things into a new creation. God is at work always redeeming that which has been broken and lost and darkened in our lives and in this world. We won't always see it and hear it. But by faith we trust that that is what God is doing in Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit. His presence and his power are the source of our peace in trusting him. And so even as Jesus did not succumb to the temptations of fear and anxiety and hatred around him, so we do not have to give in to ours either. Those are not the things of God the hate and the fear and the isolation that come with the darkness of this world do not reign in the lives of those who are filled with the spirit of God and know the presence of our father who will not abandon us. Indeed, because of what we have been given by the Lord, namely his peace, we're able to become beacons of that light to the world around us, not because we muster up all the strength and the light of our own lives, but because we reflect the light of the world and his peace. We are able to be his lights. Small candles for sure, but lights nonetheless in a world of darkness, showing forth the light of Christ's peace. Friends, let your light shine this week. Let Christ's light shine through you. The peace that he promised to give, may we show to be those in this world who know that peace because we know the presence of God in our lives. Amen. Let us pray. God, we live in a world that is darkened by violence, by separation, by enmity and jealousy. And we pray for the Messiah to come again. But we know, God, that you have placed us here for a reason. In this time, in this place, among these people, and I pray that each of us today would receive the gift of your peace that you promised. Peace that passes all understanding. Peace that is rooted not in our circumstances, but in the presence of our Father in heaven who will not abandon us. I pray for that soul here in the sanctuary or online today, God, that needs your peace. That your spirit would descend upon them in power right now, in this moment. 
that you would assuage their anxiety, that you would allay their fear, that you would wrap your arms around them as a father who will not leave them alone. And for this great gift, we give you thanks. May you show us the places where you need our light to shine this week, that others might know your peace as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.